From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project Podcast, episode 234. I am Brad Robinson. Here we are. It is Q&A time. I have really great questions you guys sent in pertaining to dreams and can we derive meaning from dreams? How can we interpret them and is it useful to? Um, great question. And then I have a question from Marcus about goals and not being able to stick to a goal and how can we actually stick to something we you know, we want to stick to, right? And yeah, that, that, that's a challenge for sure. And then I have a question about boundaries from Marcus. How can we build upon these boundaries and a foundation where we are not walked over by other people? Because I remember my old self being walked over because of the way I was and how I was acting and being around these people. And, you know, I was too agreeable for my own good, but I am still agreeable, but, you know, you can move along the spectrum of that personality. If you are agreeable by temperament, yeah, that's okay. You can, you can lessen that agreeableness by uh, acting and behaving in, in a different manner. And so that's, that's a great question. Um, I mean, um, that's one of the things I even talked to Rachel Luna about. Uh, in episode, I think it was 225. Um, yes, 225, Rachel Luna. We talk about boundaries. She's a great coach. She's a great mentor. She went through many challenges in her life. And and I talked to her about shifting your identity as well. How can, what is our identity made out of, right? It's beliefs and values. And so, yeah, how do we build on these boundaries? It's going to be a great question from Quincy. And then question four, the last one, I talk about my favorite books of 2023 so far that you guys need to check out. So let's dive into this Q&A. Before we do that, actually, if you're fairly new to the podcast, I recommend some episodes for you to go and check out. Episode 222, I talk about panic attacks, the one, two, three guide to panic. So if you know someone struggling with panic or you yourself are struggling with panic, this is a must know episode. This one, keep this in your back pocket because when that panic pops its ugly head, that snake pops up, you need to approach panic in a specific manner in order to in order to conquer it appropriately. And then I recommend you check out episode 227. I talk about trauma. I recommend that you check out 228. How can we forgive others so that we are no longer stuck in the past and we can move forward um, and release all of those emotions? I recommend you listen to last week's episode, 233, Dr. Edith Shiro. We talk about trauma. She is so knowledgeable. I mean, she's been doing this for such a long time. Um, but I get to pick her brain about trauma, how we can 
overcome trauma, she lists her her structured approach to help somebody, a client that comes to her with severe trauma and how one gets over and conquers that trauma. So let's dive into Lindsay's question about dreams. She says, what can dreams tell us about the past? Should we explore them in waking state? And how do we do that? Thank you for the question, Lindsay. It is awesome because I haven't talked too much about dreams on the podcast, or not for a while, but they are significant. Um, Dreams are an attempt from the unconscious mind to fully flesh out and explore parts of your world that are unexplored and that have some significance to you. You are gripped to a part of the world you do not understand. And when dreams occur, it's this attempt from the unconscious mind to explore this unknown space. And you're making sense of the unknown. And it's interesting because I've had scenarios where I would think about something during the day and then I would dream about that certain thing at night and I'd wake up and go, whoa, that's interesting. What is, what is, what's in there? What's, what's the dream trying to signify? And I think upon waking up, I realized because when I'm dreaming, it's pretty emotional. Things come up. It's like I'm really sensitive to the dream and the memory it's it's exploring and so I'll write in my journal about the dream and then I'll come to many realizations while writing because writing is thinking and so I'll come to many realizations about that memory you know it's so fascinating because this morning I woke up And I had a dream about something that I thought about yesterday. And so what I thought about yesterday while I was out with Maggie on a walk in the hot weather, a memory popped up. I, before, as I was beginning the anxiety project, starting the podcast, starting the videos, I was working during the summer at a zip line in the zoo near me. You know that it's it's awesome. Like what a summer job that was. That was really really cool. Like after the film industry, when I decided to pursue coaching and the anxiety project, I got a job, part time job at this zip line. It was fun. It was really really cool because I was surrounded by trees all day, and it was it was like, and the sun. I was exposed to the sun all all day. It was great. But I thought about it while I was on my walk. And then I had a dream about the zip line last night. And then I woke up and I thought, whoa, that's interesting. Is there anything in there that I haven't really explored yet? So I started to write down some of the emotional memories associated to that zip line job. And then some memories came up, one in particular, about me 
talking with the manager of the zip line who was fairly young. He was around 35 years old. And I remember talking to him about the anxiety project and starting this podcast. And I remember my voice cracking one time when speaking to him. And at the time I felt really embarrassed because all of the other younger employees were around me while I was speaking to him and my voice cracking, I felt embarrassed. I felt like, oh, they must think I'm weak. They must think I'm insecure and whatnot. And so I dreamt about the zip line and I woke up and I thought, okay, well, what's in there? Okay, there was that moment where my voice cracked talking to that manager. What's, you know, haven't I explored that? And I thought, no, because I still feel negative emotion surrounding that. So I started to write out that moment where when my voice cracked and I and I asked myself okay what looking back at this moment what did I learn well I learned that I was still insecure about the podcast and speaking about my anxiety around other people because it's a very personal topic it's very it was very sensitive to me at the time and the success of the podcast was not so much there, right? So I had a lot of insecurities around my pursuits of the anxiety project in general. So I thought, well, that makes sense why my voice would crack. It was a sensitive topic. My voice didn't crack around all the other topics I talked about. It was just that particular topic. And so that, that was a realization to me. And I was like, okay, that, that, that relieves much of that heaviness surrounding that memory. But also I realized that, well, what, what, what could have, you know, what did they think? Maybe they thought it just had something in my throat because usually my voice wouldn't crack throughout the whole summer I was talking fluently and I was very outgoing in the way I was speaking. But that one time my voice cracked. Why would they think that I'm this insecure or uh, weak person, right? And, and I thought, yeah, that's true. I didn't realize that. You know, they probably just thought or maybe they thought, hey, maybe this is sensitive to Brad. But he's talking about it anyways. That actually shows courage. That actually shows strength. You know, and also, so what if they, if they thought that I was embarrassed? So what? Am I friends with them now? No, I'm not. Am I hanging around them? Like, are they God? Do they not have faults of their own? Why are they spending time today thinking about that small little speck of a memory that was years ago? And why would they think about my voice cracking? If of anything, they're all battling their own things going on. So why am I holding on to this particular memory? And I thought about that. I'm like, that's that's right. Why am I? Well, it, it's good to explore these dreams. It really is. And so remember that when you have a dream, 
explore it in the morning, write it down. That's what I do first thing in the morning. I'll write in my journal. And I guarantee that once you begin to explore the dream in more detail, not only realizations will accumulate, but the possible negative impact of that particular memory will diminish. So explore that. What does this signify? What are the emotions associated to it? Embarrassment, um, fear of not being accepted, um, judgment of the people around me. That was all there for me in that memory. It was all amalgamated and conjoined into that one memory. They have, those memories have significance, absolutely. The second question comes from Marcus. He says, I can't seem to stick to my goals of waking up early. I wind up hitting the snooze. The mornings are the worst for my anxiety. Feeling discouraged at this point. Any help would be appreciated. Thank you, Marcus, for being open and honest and asking this question. The first thing that comes to my mind is that the bar is high. The bar is too high for you. So I don't know what time you're waking up, but if you're waking up at 9 and you want to get up at 7 and you're hitting the snooze, maybe that's too far of a bar to reach. How about you start with 8.30? Start with that goal, 8.30, and then gradually over time, keep it 8.30 for the next couple weeks and then drop it down to 8. And then you're going to fail maybe one or two days of that week. But you're going to be on the edge. And that's where you want to be because when you're at the gym, you want to be at the edge. You don't want the weights to be too light because you'll go home and you'll feel like you didn't do enough. Like, hey, my my, I'm not really achy today. Well, maybe I should do a little bit more. You want to always be on the edge so that when you come home, you're like, man, I really feel it today. You know, I really, you know, I was right on the edge. So you want to be there while you're pursuing a goal. And then another suggestion is to put the alarm clock in another room so that you have to get up and you have to walk out of the room Get out of bed, walk out of the room, and shut that thing off, and then you're up, right? You're, you're more likely going to stay up when it's in another room, right? You want to put you want to put the things in your environment that can be working in your favor. Um, when, that's what happens when you're pursuing a, a new routine is that if you want to break out of an old one, you have to minimize the triggers in your environment that can bring you and pull you back into your old routine. So that's one way, but also setting up the environment so that you can succeed. And so this is one of the ways. Putting the alarm clock away from the bed is useful. Um, also, I recommend that before you go to bed, Marcus, that you write out why getting up earlier means something to you? Why does it mean something to you? Why is this something of significance? Why is this a goal for you in the first place? 
And why will the future you benefit from waking up early? Then have a plan. Have a plan. Have a routine upon waking up in the morning rather than, you know, you wake up and you don't know what to do, right? There's just empty space. Like for me, I get up. I know what I have to do. I make my bed and then I go into another room. I'll write in my journal. I'll meditate. I'll stretch and I'll take a cold shower. That's it. No excuses. That's what I have to do. But you also don't want to wake up and have this emptiness of like, okay, I'm kind of bored now. And then you'll kind of, I don't really have any reason to be up and you fall back asleep. Have a reason to get up in the morning. Make it clear for you. And then also mark on a calendar your accomplishments. So you got up early today, put an X and say goal completed on a calendar so you can see progress right in front of your eyes. And then lastly, Marcus, pay attention to the self-talk upon waking up. So for me, I used to go, oh God, as soon as I would wake up. And sometimes it happens still. Oh God, or I didn't get enough sleep. You're you're drained or you wake up in the middle of a, a peaceful slumber. What can you do? Shift the internal voice to something that will drive you up and out of bed. So for me, this voice would be, today is a challenge. This is a challenge. This is an opportunity. Let's go. Short utterances to help me get out and get going. That is where I'm going to leave you, Marcus, on that question. Thank you for that. Question three comes from Quincy. How can I build on my non-existent boundary? Boundaries. For so long, I have let others walk over me and I've lost respect for myself at this point. Yes, Marcus. I mean, Marcus. Yes, Quincy. Um, I, uh, I completely relate to your question. And I love this question because you have to make it clear for, for yourself that this is something that you want to pursue in the future, right? You have to bring this to the forefront of your current pursuits, right? So you have to, every interaction is now an opportunity to build upon this new foundation and this new identity. So the next thing I want to say to you, Quincy, is that others can tell within three seconds upon meeting you whether they can push you around and take advantage of you. That's how quick it is. So the question you need to ask yourself How am I presenting myself within that three seconds of meeting somebody? What is my posture like? And I recommend you write this down. What is my tone of voice? Eye contact. Handshake. You know, I remember going through extreme social anxiety where I would meet somebody and I would give them a handshake and then my hand turns into a fish, a wet fish, 
upon shaking their hand and then feeling embarrassed after I pulled my hand away, thinking, oh my God, they must think I'm this weak person. Like what a uh, insecure, weak handshake. And so, and it is, it shows weakness, right? A firm handshake is something of strength and confidence. So I had to work on that. You have to work on these micro routines, Quincy. So look towards the posture. You have to shift it. You have to bring that to the forefront of consciousness when socializing. So pay attention to the posture, eye contact, look into the eyes of other people, make that a goal, make the handshake a goal. You'll have to practice. If you have somebody close to you where you can be open and honest to them and, and talk to them about how maybe your handshake is it's not something you've mastered yet, well, practice with them. And so I remember there was a time when I shook someone's hand and it turned into a fish and I was embarrassed, but I was working on this process. So then I told the person, hey, can we do that again? Because, you know, I, my hand was, you know, I was just being truthful to them. My hand was floppy. Let's do that again. And I shook his hand again and, I, and it was better the second time. It was stronger. And, and that's the process. You're going to stumble forward. You're not going to succeed every single interaction. But correcting it and moving forward, correcting it and moving forward is the path you need to go. And then I recommend, Quincy, write out and list out those past experiences that you felt like you were walked over or you were taken advantage of. So in detail, write down how you felt in each of those scenarios, the emotions you felt, how you acted, the posture, tone of voice, what you said or what you didn't say, and then what would you have done differently in each of those scenarios? Because a part of you is holding on to these past experiences as if they are snakes and your body is treating them as if they are snakes. Because what happens when you encounter a literal snake on the path? Well, you will remember that. It's a memory that is ingrained and you will be hesitant to even go on the same path again in the future because you're of encountering that predatory thing, right? And so we hold on to these past emotional memories like they are predators that are not yet mastered. How do we master a snake? Well, we have to learn how to hold it. We have to learn how to catch it. We have to learn how to avoid it. And so we have to master the snake. That's how you overcome the fear. You have to master it. You have to explore it. And so Quincy explore these past scenarios that are still negative to you because you're treating them as things that are predatory, things that could potentially eat you. And so 
unconsciously, you may be avoiding social interactions, or you may be very hesitant, very sensitive to social interactions because of the bad experiences you've had in the past. So you have to start to master these micro routines in order to master the, the fear itself. And so once you start to explore these past experiences, Quincy, you'll start to realize that you have more of a plan of action, that they aren't so uh, they, they're not so low resolution anymore hiding in your unconscious mind that you know in detail what happened back there, what you were doing to fall into that pit. And now you know what to do to not fall into the pit in the future. So when now when you come across that pit or that social uh, situation, you have a plan of action. You already have your armor and your sword and shield at the ready. It's not like you're going into that scenario, into the dungeon, uh, unconscious anymore. You're very conscious about the, about the thing that you're trying to conquer, the dragon that you're trying to conquer. So... Do you not think, Quincy, that a part of your soul is taken from you each time you let somebody walk all over you? Because certainly mine was. I remember many situations. I had to do the same exercise. I had to go back and list off all of those moments that I felt walked over and and and, and really have this conversation with myself it's no no easy thing to do but it's necessary and a part of you a part of your self-respect is taken from you when you when you feel like you should have said something but you didn't say it and i'm not talking about you say it impulsively out of anger but i i, I say speaking it with truth and not lying to yourself you know, if somebody says something that you don't agree with, speak the truth or tell them something like, you know what, I'll have to, if you don't know the answer right away, if they, somebody asks you a question and you want to be agreeable because you sort of have this fear of not being accepted or, or you want to be a people pleaser like me, right? I'll have to go. Well, I'll need a night to think about it and then I'll give you an answer tomorrow if you don't have an answer right then and there. So that there's one way to approach a scenario like that, but also express the truth. If somebody offends you, tell them not out of anger, impulsive anger, but out of more of a truthful, neutral state of, hey, I'm offended by that. I don't appreciate that. And that goes a long way because at the end of the day, having a clear conscience is worth more than money. <laughs> that is true. So I recommend, Quincy, that you explore your past and this will help you navigate the future. And then another way I dealt with agreeableness is that I admit, I, I, 
wanted to be accepted by the people around me. And so to buffer myself from being too agreeable, I would ask myself, am I really looking for a friend in this person? Am I really looking for a friend in this person? Because a lot of times I would hang around people who are just so negative and they're just draining and I don't agree with them in my heart. And then I'll ask myself, well, do I really want to be a be friends with him? Am I betraying a part of me if I don't speak the truth? Is is that is trying to be a friend worth more than a piece of my self-respect and my soul? And that's something to really ask yourself. And then also, I asked myself this, and if they don't like me, if they don't like the strong, confident, truthful, firm, real me, then why would I want them to be my friend anyways? If they don't like that confident, secure, truthful, disciplined me, why would I want them to be my friend anyways if they don't accept that that per, that version of me? And hey, man, that's something to ask yourself. And then also, also personally, Quincy, ask yourself, who is the person you want to be? Who is the person I want to be? Do I want to be somebody who has walked over? Or you have to have a, a model in your mind. Who is that model? Is it a character from a movie? Is it, a, is it someone you admire in real life? A teacher? A mentor? Speaker? Influencer? Who is that person? How do they act? And have that, that in your mind. How, you know, that's another question you could ask. How would they present themselves in this situation? And then also, to conclude your question, Quincy, I recommend that you go back and re-listen to this over and over and over again so that you, you, you get the questions and write them down because I highly recommend that you, you do that. I recommend everybody you do that. Also, to unravel fears, I recommend that you bring the fear up to the surface. So what do you fear? I fear not being socially accepted by this person, or I fear losing my job. And then you say, so what? Ask yourself that. So what if I'm not accepted by this person? okay, well, if I'm not accepted by this person, then it'll be awkward at work. Okay, well, so what if it's awkward at work? Well, I guess I'll just have to learn how to keep to myself. Or I get, uh, it's going to be a challenge to stay strong around these people because of this awkwardness. And, and you know, so... So what if it's awkward? So what if it, things aren't, it's going to be uneasy? Well, I'm, at least I'm going to be true to myself. What do I respect more? What do I value more? That's the question. Do I value my spirit and the strength within me? Am I willing to sacrifice 
the potential loss of a friend, potential friend, right? Potential friend. Am I willing to sacrifice that in order to stay true? Because if I stay true, then I'm going to naturally attract other people who are confident, strong, and truthful like myself. And that is true. That is true. So ask yourself, so what? Worst case scenario, so what? Okay, so what? And then you keep asking, so what? Until you start to unravel the onion that is beneath the surface of the fear, right? The, uh, the onion that is the fear, you unravel that. Thank you for the question, Quincy. Question four comes from Diane. What are your favorite books of 2023 so far that you read? Well, Diane, thank you. Um, I have some great ones. They're not specifically, they haven't specifically come out in 2023, but the books I've read so far this year, first one is Never Finished by David Goggins. I love David Goggins. He is a true warrior. He is a mentor of mine. He is extremely dis disciplined. He is a, a monk for sure. Um, he is, I love his spirit. He has gone through the utmost tragedy in his life and has conquered that tragedy. He understanding the meaning that comes from the suffering that we voluntarily place ourselves in every day is truly important to understand. And that is all encapsulated in his books. And yeah, I recommend never finished amazing, amazing book. Um, and it will motivate you, man, to get up in the morning. Another book I loved this year is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Such a great book. He breaks down habits uh, and, into a, a way where it's easily we can easily understand. And he he talks about how we can build upon new habits and how to break old habits. Uh, it's it's amazing. Then I loved reading. My Confession by Leo Tolstoy. Yeah, that book was so magnificent because he goes through this existential crisis in his 50s, um, losing, questioning whether God is existent and where can we find meaning if, if life is just nothing but, well, suffering. Where can we find the meaning in suffering? And so he explores this. He, at this point in his life, when he was writing the book, he was suicidal and questioning whether he should be alive. And so exploring religion and exploring, well, well where meaning comes from, it was extremely profound. I recommend that book. And then another book I, I loved is... Uh, Dr. Edith, Edith Shiro's book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma. If you're interested in trauma, how we store trauma, how to recover from trauma, it is beautifully written. I loved her book and I talked with her last week. It, it was awesome. And her book is extraordinary. I love it. So those are some of the books I've read so far that 
you guys need to check out. Let me know what you've read so far. I, I want to hear what you guys have read. Uh, um, and I'll check it out too. So leave your comments below. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's Q&A. Thank you everybody so much for the questions. Remember that it's springtime and I have a spring sale. If you go to unpluganxiety.com and you go to the program page, I have a coupon. Type in spring for 10, I think 10% off the program. 10% off. So go check that out now. Rise above anxiety. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And please leave your comments or reviews on Spotify because that's all I ask. And it'll help spread the word of the podcast to many more people. That'll mean a lot to me. I really, I really appreciate that. I will see you next time. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.